1: Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, "'Do not be afraid.' I know that you are looking for Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then, go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly, with fear and great joy, and ran to tell the disciples, Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me.
0: So that we start on the same page, I need to know that everybody in here knows what monster spray is young parents do we kept we kept a bottle at our house for years but apparently not everybody's familiar with monster spray it's it's a spray bottle with nothing but tap water in it but it comes in really handy at bedtime if you've got young children because when it gets dark and quiet but creaky And the stillness settles in where the wild things live. You don't know what might be lurking in the room. And sometimes little ones cry out. And that's when you have to bring in the monster spray. Right? And you have to spray all over. You have to spray really good under the bed. But you have to spray all over the room. It gets rid of all the monsters. You have to make sure that the scary things stay away. As we age, of course, the monsters go away. But those fears are replaced by new ones that are no less scary because we actually know, in many cases, what we're facing. And fear might be the number one thing that keeps the Christian from realizing all of the promises of life abundant. Fear is a thief. It steals the joy and looks at every turn how to take and snatch something else away. And it strikes me that in this all important Easter uh, scripture that we've read that in just ten verses there are four references to fear. It makes me wonder what an empty tomb has to do with being afraid. We'll get there, but first let's get caught up on the story. Last time we were together, it was Friday. We were at, uh, at the Methodist church up the street. Good Friday, and we heard the reminders of history's darkest day, the nails and the thorns and the screams and the cross, the blood, vinegar, and last breaths, and it is finished." And Friday, the world went dark. In the hours since Friday, we've been left with a hopeless Saturday that hangs between crucifixion and resurrection. But the first century Jesus followers experienced the hopelessness of Saturday without any promise of Easter. In their experience, they had put all of their trust in Jesus, the hope-for Messiah, and now all of their trust, all of their hopes are dashed. In just one week, you remember last Sunday, just one week, they were singing praises and hosannas and waving palms. And now on Friday, all of those hopes have crumbled because they watched the miracle worker from Galilee bleed out on a Roman cross and all hope was gone. And then Saturday, just marked by grief and disillusionment. And Easter Sunday, that first Easter Sunday didn't start with hope at all. It didn't start like ours did. We got up this morning and, you know, pressed new uh, Easter dresses and got in the shower and sang up from the grave here rose Tied pink bow ties, you know, stuff like that. We were were kind of celebratory, but not them. Early Easter morning was just as bleak as Friday afternoon. Jesus is risen, but until you've had an experience with the risen Christ, it doesn't mean that much. Jesus is risen, and Mary, and Mary Magdalene are still slow walking and wiping tears because they've had no encounter. It's Sunday morning. The Jewish Sabbath is over. So the two women go to the tomb, the place of their abandoned hopes, and suddenly... Suddenly, the earth starts trembling and an angel rolls back the stone that's been guarding the tomb. And when the women look up at the angel, the angel looks like lightning. And his clothes are brilliant like sunshine shooting off of the snow. And the Roman guards are so stunned, they now appear dead. And the scripture says they are in fear. But the angel doesn't address their fear. He says to the women... Do not be afraid. He says, I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has been raised. I'm not exactly sure that would have addressed my fears. I mean, a lightning angel saying, don't be afraid. The dead man you're looking for is walking around here somewhere. I just don't think that would have done it. I think I might have still carried a little fear around. Anyway, the angel then invites them inside the empty tomb, commands them to go tell the disciples about the resurrection. Yes, the first preachers of the resurrection were women. And yes, Baptists could have done a better job with that truth over the years. So the women left on their preaching mission with fear and great joy. So they left with fear and great joy. So apparently the angel's instruction for them to stop being afraid was not yet realized. Because they left in fear. And somewhere on the trip from the empty tomb to Galilee, the risen Christ meets up with the two Marys. And they fall to his feet in worship. And Jesus says to them, guess what he says? do not be afraid. And Jesus sends them on to Galilee to proclaim the resurrection. As I said, I'm not really surprised by the fear. If Mary and Mary Magdalene were afraid, it means they were paying attention, right? I mean, a shining white angel telling you that the dead guy's walking around somewhere, if that doesn't strike fear, you're not paying attention. I mean, aren't there some things we ought to be afraid of? The hot stove, malignancy, the oncoming car, dead men walking. I mean, we can't just go whistling around and acting like we don't. Understand the realities of this world, that we're not grounded in what's real. So, what does it mean that one of the loud messages of that first Easter is that we shouldn't be afraid anymore? I mean, we are afraid. Some of us are afraid that things will not change. Like being stuck in a miserable marriage, or a health diagnosis that holds very little promise, or the loneliness that has set in since living alone, and we fear it won't ever change. But other things we're afraid of are things that we're afraid will change that I'll run out of money in retirement. That I'll lose my job. That my sins will be exposed. That my marriage will end. That my child's upcoming doctor's appointment will confirm what I think is going on. How many countries have nuclear capabilities? I mean, aren't there some things we just ought to be afraid of? It'd be great to have monster spray, but this stuff's just here. (laughs) Some people are afraid of the things that will change. Lyle Lovett sings, I've had an excellent time so far, there's only one thing that I fear. I've been up so long on this lucky star, it could be all downhill from here. In any case, doesn't being afraid just mean we're paying attention to what's real? Somebody gets a diagnosis, isn't it disrespectful to say, oh, there's nothing to be afraid of? Friend loses a job, you're a Christian, right? There's nothing to be afraid of. So, what are we to make of this repeated fear not, fear not in front of an empty tomb? Well, I went all over the place in search of an answer. I went to the book of Hebrews. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? I rummaged rummaged around till I got to Revelation. Read John's vision of the risen Christ. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead. And see, I am alive forever and ever. And I have the keys of death and of Hades. It seems to me that the fear that is abolished in the resurrection is not the short-term worry about the diagnosis or the company layoff, the temporary fears of circumstance, the fear that is defeated in the empty tomb is the capital F, fear, the fear that grips us and convinces us that we live small and meaningless lives and that this is all there is and that death wins after all. In fact, Jesus says, in this world you will have tribulation. Which means bad news and malignancy and layoffs and all of that. Legitimate fears, the oncoming train. But Jesus also says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It's the fear that life's challenges will define us or defeat us that's been overcome in the victory of the resurrection. The empty tomb means that abundant and everlasting life is ours. 1 Timothy calls it the life that really is life. The resurrection means that our daily challenges and short-term fears are swallowed up by a love so big that a paralyzing fear has been done away with Forever. I mentioned that I went all over looking, looking for reminders of what this could look like, what, what this abolishment of fear really meant. I went to the Scriptures, told you I went to Revelation, do not be afraid, I'm the first and the last. Went to Hebrews, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. But my, in my search, it also took me to a memory you all have heard me talk before about my friend and mentor, John Claypool. John was an important preaching voice in this country for many, many decades, and in retirement, he came to teach preaching at the McAfee School of Theology, uh, where I was at the time. And when we were teaching together, John was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a cancer of the white blood cells and he was scheduled for chemotherapy, for stem cell transplants. Well, one Sunday afternoon he called me. It was Palm Sunday. I remembered because I had just gotten back from preaching a Palm Sunday service at First Baptist Church, Auburn, Alabama. Made it back to Atlanta. The phone rang, beginning of Holy Week. John and I chit-chatted for a while. But then he said, tomorrow I start treatments. They're going to try to kill as many bad cells as possible without killing me. They're going to try to get right up to the line. Kill the bad cells, replace with good cells. He said, so I'm at home reflecting on all of this. He said, I'm sitting on the back porch reflecting on all my years of preaching And was I telling the truth? Is Easter for real? Does the resurrection matter when the next day is a dangerous medical procedure? He said, I've been on the back porch, I can't tell you how long. And I just wanted to call and tell a friend, the bottom is holding. It's true. The bottom is holding. My hunch is he was still afraid about the procedure, but not at all afraid about whether he was held in the grips of God's victorious love. Jesus said, do not be afraid. And my friend's words to me that Palm Sunday assured me that the resurrection had evaporated in him all of the big fears and replaced them with joy and beauty and peace and assurance. Because of the empty tomb, we've learned that love is stronger than death, that forgiveness is stronger than our betrayal, and there are no ultimate things we will ever have to fear again. I mentioned earlier that when the two Marys arrived at the tomb, they were still in despair. The resurrection miracle that shook the earth had not yet changed them. It was not until the resurrection truth became personal that their lives were changed. Peter Gomes, the university minister at Harvard offered this challenge at the end of one of his Easter sermons. He said, Easter is not just about Jesus, it's about you. He's already claimed his new life, now it's your chance to claim yours. If the life of meaningless fear has run its course, then Jesus offers a chance to claim a new life in the resurrection to follow Him. You might still be afraid of things that come, but you'll never again be afraid of whether life holds meaning or whether God holds you. And that's where the peace is. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one. I was dead And see, I am alive forever and ever, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Thanks be to God. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.